0: Chapter 19 of A Winter of Content by Laura Lee Davidson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. November's moon is said to be the Indian's moon of magic, but here the June moon is the wonder moon, and the moon of my delight. It sails resplendent in a luminous sky, pouring its brightness down on a lake that gleams like a silver shield. Its beams rain down through the leaves in a drenching flood of light to lie in shining pools on the mossy ground it illuminates the hidden nooks of the forest it makes the stems of the birches look like slender columns of white marble and the woods are so bright that half the flowers forget to shut their eyes and stay open through the night slender tall irises stand like ghost flowers in the swamps the thousand little bells of the false lily of the valley the canada mayflower Swing in the breezes that run along the ground and on the low south point of the island the rushes rattle stiffly and bow their heads as the wind passes over them they are the Iquisitum, the horsetail rush known to the pilgrim housewives as scouring rushes with which they used to clean their pots and pans mary blake tells me that she has used them and that the flinty hollow stems are excellent kettle cleaners they do not suggest anything so prosaic here in the white moonlight rather they make me think of small silver spears held upright in the hands of a fairy troop the small green yeomen of the forest on guard through the white night there is great rushing and scurrying in the underbrush for the deer mice the rabbits and other small folk of the forest are awake and active the birds too are wakeful and chirp answers chirp from one nest to another all through the night this is going to be a good bird year judging from the number of broken eggshells blue cream speckled they are cast from the nest to the ground there is a continuous sound of faint wheezing cries the voices of nestlings begging for food a pair of robins have plastered their mud nest on a beam of the porch roof a red-eyed vireo has hung her birch bark cradle in a low bush under the kitchen window some phoebes have built on the lentil of the house door it seems impossible that so small a nest can hold so many squirming little bodies as must belong to all those upstretched gaping yellow bills the parent phoebes do not hesitate about telling me in good round terms just what they think of me when i go too near their home but the robins do not scold me they only go off to a bush and mourn the vareo cares not at all for anybody but sits tranquil on her eggs and eyes me fearlessly I've seen a whippoorwill's nest, a thing I am told that few people ever find. It lies on the ground under the shelter of cedar poles that serves John Bollock for a wagon-shed, and is so directly in the path of the horse's hoofs that I wonder it has not been trampled into the mold. John's small daughter, Sally May, led me to it, and as we approached, a dark, slenderly trailing bird slid away through the underbush leaving her two furry balls of nestlings rolling helplessly on the dry leaves of their bed they were about half the size of young chickens and were covered with thick down of a red clay colour that had so fiery and vital a glow that it made me think of live coals showing through the ashes we took one look and hurried away lest the whip poor mother should become frightened and forsake her nest and two sweet and plaintive bird voices be lost from the evening chorus at Bolocks, where i stopped on the homeward way a lively discussion was going forward the bishop of ontario was coming to sark for the first time in many years to hold service and to confirm and there was much speculation about who would join the english church i'm a-going to be a catholic announced poor ishmael the half-wit peering out from a dim nook behind the stove they tells me the priest can cure the fits he went on hopefully but he won't do it for you lessen you bees a Catholic, so I'm a goin' to join his church. I favor the Baptists if I favors any, observed Bill Shelley, the frogger. Whereupon John Bolak retorted cruelly that we ought to send for the preacher quick and have Bill dip right off the dock, clothes and all, further explaining that the suggestion was made in view of Bill's general appearance and his boast that he had not touched water since early in the previous summer, and then only because he had fell in bill so far from being offended took this witticism in excellent part joining uproariously in the laugh that followed it for the rest of that week telephones were busy calling a congregation i was invited to drive to church in mrs swanson's spring wagon and reached her farm by a devious route on the great day i rode across the half mile that lies between the island and the nearest point of mainland and walked the wood trail from Drapos to Forret's there william's motor-boat was waiting to ferry me across the lake and up blue bay to the swansons landing here also there was a flutter of excitement for susie dove was going to be confirmed clarence nutting too had wished to be of the class but at the last moment it had been remembered that he had never been baptized as baptism must precede confirmation the rector amid the hurry and work of entertaining the bishop and conveying him to and from the several churches where there were to be services, had been diligently striving to come up with Clarence to baptize him. But each time he searched for him, Clarence was away, either in a distant field or over in the next township, and so the rector never caught him, and when the service commenced, poor Clarence sat humbly at the side of the church with the men, and could not come forward. There was no trouble about little Susie. Her case was entirely clear, her new dress and white veil were spread forth on the spare-room bed for display and admiration her hair was plaited in innumerable tight pigtails as a prelude to subsequent frizzes susie looked quiet and subdued there was a frightened expression in her china-blue eyes she could eat no dinner she could not even taste her pie and soon she and mrs swanson retired to dress on the way to church susie sat silent clutching her new prayer-book in a moist and trembling hand on the homeward drive she confided to me that she had been very afraid of the bishop i knew my commandments she assured me but i was not so certain about the creed and i was afeard lest the bishop ask me some hard questions her face then was radiant the bishop had been kind and had asked no one any hard questions and so this little one had not been put to confusion the church at Sark is old and falling to pieces, but it looked lovely that day. Each window sill held a plant in bloom, its tin can covered with gay flowered wallpaper, geraniums, fuchsias, patience plants, the ornaments of many a parlor. Each window framed a picture of soft rolling meadows, fruit trees in bloom, homesteads nestled in the hollows, and over all stretches of blue sky flecked with wisps of floating vapor in the centre of the church sat the group of ten or a dozen candidates for confirmation through the misty veils their young faces looked out awed and grave and very sweet there had been a great disappointment for little mary spellman for her veil had not come from town with the rest she looked like a gentle little nun with a square of plain white muslin laid over her flaxen head most of these girls will not wear bridal dresses at their weddings so confirmation is the one great occasion in their lives when they can put on the dignity and the mystery of the veil defend o lord this thy child with thy heavenly grace the words seemed to reach me from a great way off repeated each time the bishop laid his hands on a bowed head the bishop's voice was kind his tone gentle when his sermon finished he turned from the congregation to deliver his charge to the class i do not remember much of what he said but i have not forgotten his manner it seemed to me listening that he must feel a peculiar tenderness for these little cut-off county parishes after service i was led forward to be presented to his lordship he said that he had heard of the lady from the southern states who was living alone at many islands i could not help feeling that the episcopal eye regarded me with a certain suspicion as one not quite right in her mind which supposition was i fear confirmed by my own behaviour for when mrs rector said my lord i wish to present miss x to you the unaccustomed sound of the title and my own total ignorance of the proper mode of addressing one called my lord gave me a foolish flustered manner that must have betrayed me we locked the silent church stripped of its flowers and white-robed girls and drove along the tree-shaded roads to the shore where the motorboat was waiting the water was so still and so clear that we could see every rock and pebble lying a dozen feet below we passed over schools of big fish bass and pickerel hanging suspended in a crystal medium between the sheer walls of the loon lake portage the sun was going down in a lake of gold and the rocks were purple and red in its glow i walked the home trail slowly lingering in the falling dusk the odors of the cedars hemlocks and basswoods came to me mingled with the wet smell from the bogs and the perfume of the tiny twin trumpets of the partridge vine, twining the damp moss. I came out of the dimness of the woods to the path worn along the grass of meadows, starred all over with myriads of misty little globes, the seed heads of the dandelions. I pushed the rowboat off on the quiet water and drifted while the moth hour went from the fields. The sky was bright with the rising moon as I climbed the island path, There was great scurrying of rabbits in the underbrush, and away in the misty thickets the whippoorwills were calling. End of chapter 19